Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, so if you all open your Bible to Genesis chapter, uh, the last verse is chapter 31 beginning 32, verse 31, 54, Genesis 31, 54. Then we'll, we'll begin here. Let's pray first. Father, oh God, we come to you this morning We came to you for salvation because we needed salvation. We come to you now for understanding from your word because we need understanding. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis 31, verse 54, here we go. Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread, and they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning, Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them, and Laban departed and returned unto his place. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Machanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau's brother unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. All right, now, it's very important as we're here in chapter 32, which is a key chapter in the book of Genesis. It, it, it happens to be one of my favorite chapters along with 49 others. <laughs> but um, the end of, of chapter 31 is very important because the way chapter 31 ends, it marks a great significance not to be overlooked. Now, when it says these words here that we just read, you know, that Jacob offered sacrifice he calls his brethren to eat bread. They have this meal. They all go all night long. And early in the morning, Laban rises up. He kisses his daughters and his, his uh, grandsons. And he, he goes and he back to his place. So we can easily look at these verses and say, so? So what's the big deal? Everyone ate. They spent the night. And then they went their ways. What's so significant about that? No. This is far more than just a historical parting between Jacob and Laban. It has great implications and applications for us as well. Now, what's important to see here in chapter 31 is this pillar. This pillar in verses 45 and 46, this pillar and this pile of stones and the vows that Jacob and Laban make, which is that they'll never cross the line of that pillar and that pile to each other. They made a vow to separate forever. That was an elaborate separation. It was complete with monuments and witnesses and a ceremonial meal. It was all over these vows to never see each other again. I mean, this was a vow that Jacob made he would never return again. This was a sealing off. This was Jacob looking back on Laban's land, which was Syria, and sealing himself off from to never, ever return to Syria again. This was Jacob burning the bridge 
behind him. This was Ruth leaving her native land of Moab to never go back to Moab again. This was a no-turning-back moment in the history of Jacob. And this pillar, in, in verse 45, 46, this pillar and the pile that were set up, that Jacob would never forget this time of sealing off the separation, and he would never forget where he came from. And it was very important, because you got to remember here, when we look at Jacob, we're not just looking at a man, we're looking at the Jewish people. We're looking at the nation of Israel here. And it was very important for the Jewish people of Israel, for the nation of the Jewish people of Israel, because when God called Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees in Syria, God took out of Syria a people for his name. And the door to Syria that Abraham walked out of, it remained opened for some 200 years. And this door to Syria that remained for Abraham open was friendly with close relationships with Syrian relatives. And from those close relationships would come the provision of wives, the provision of a wife for Isaac and the provision of wives for Jacob. Jacob thought it was so good that his father had one wife, he went for four. (laughs) Anyway, from which the people of Israel, the Jewish nation, would be built up. And in that regard, during those 200 years, there was like an umbilical cord between Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to the Syrian relatives. But at the close of this chapter, 31, that 200-year-old umbilical cord has been cut. And at the close of this chapter, chapter 31, with the standing up of this pillar of stone and these pile of stones, the door was closed. At the close of this chapter, 31, there was a sealing off of the nation of the Jewish people of Israel from their roots in Syria. So the end of chapter 31 has a deep meaning for the nation of the Jewish people of Israel because this is their sealing off from Syria. So this is what's important to see about chapter 31 in the end here. At the end of chapter 31, the nation of the Jewish people of Israel have now emerged separated and totally independent of Syria. I mean, did you ever think the Jewish people are Syrians? I come from Syria? You usually don't. I don't. I don't like to think that. But they did. That's the truth. Now, from Jacob's perspective, he only saw this conflict between himself and his uncle. Jacob had no idea that he was going to give rise to, well, I guess he had an idea, but anyway, to the nation of the the Jewish people of Israel. But there had to be a separation. There had to be a point of no more mingling. There had to be a sealing off. Abraham saw this, and that's why he gave strict instructions to his servant Eliezer, who went to go get a wife for Isaac, and when he said, under no circumstances was Eliezer to bring his son Isaac back into Syria. And he made this strong point in Genesis 24, 8, when it says, and if the woman will not be willing, can't imagine a woman not be willing, but anyway, if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, Abraham told Eliezer, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. So, so this was very important for God. It was very important for Abraham. 
And that's why we have this giant conflict at the end of chapter 31 and these, this pillar and this pile of stones and these valves to never go back. Why? Because God is a jealous God, and he desires total separation, as he said in Isaiah 43, 21. Speaking of the nation of the Jewish people of Israel, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. And that extends to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because from this verse in Isaiah 43, 21, we have really the birth of 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 that we heard about a couple Sundays ago. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so therefore, when God gives his number one, foremost, important commandment, he says in Exodus 20, verse 5, Exodus 20, verse 5, thou shalt not bow down thyself to idols, to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And then again, in Exodus 34, 14, Exodus 34, 14, he repeats it. He says, thou shalt worship no other God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So God really espouses himself to this word jealous. He says in Exodus 34, 14, It's not just that God's a jealous God. God gives himself the name jealous. It's a very important characteristic to see about God. And this jealousy extends to a desire that his people separate, and therefore that Jacob separate, and the descendants of Jacob, the nation of the Jewish people of Israel, separate from the Syrian people because he's a jealous God, jealous, very important word. Not so commonly known in uh, Japan, but it reminds me of the time when my wife and I were in Tokyo. I think I've told you the story. And I was visiting customers with our Jewish president. Jewish president. (laughs) He's not Jewish. With our Japanese president. Okay, And my wife was sightseeing with our secretary, the secretary of our Japanese office, whose name was Matsusaka-san. And she had recently been married. And Matsusaka-san were visiting a famous temple in Tokyo. And they came to the place where there are many idols and where everyone was standing there and clapping their hands and throwing their coins into the god box to get the attention of the gods. And it was, it was a famous temple. So there were many people there, many tourists, many American tourists. And they were clapping their hands and they were throwing their money into the god box. But my wife stood there as if she had rigor mortis, <laughs> like this, stiff as a board, with her hands straight by her side. Oh, Masasaka-san, you know, it takes and throws her money, and then she looks at my wife standing there like this, and she goes, oh, she says, so sorry, sorry. And she quickly gets some coins out of her purse and hands them to my wife, Cheryl, who continued to stand there with rigor mortis, <laughs> doesn't put her arm for it, and she wouldn't take the coins, and she said, no, 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 I cannot. And Matsusaka-san looks over and sees all the other American tourists 
clapping their hands, throwing the money into the God box. And so she says to Cheryl, why? And Cheryl said, because my God is a jealous God. Now, Matsusaka-san didn't know that word jealous. So she said, what does jealous mean? And so Cheryl-san <laughs> asked her to step to the side, and, and she did. And then Cheryl said, Matsusaka-san, what would happen tonight if you came home and you told your husband that you just met a wonderful man who was so handsome and so smart and so humorous. He told jokes, you laughed so much. You just enjoyed being with him, and you kept talking about this man. What would happen if you did that tonight? Matsusaka-san said to Cheryl, my husband would become very angry. (laughs) Cheryl said, that's why I can't throw the money into the box. My God is a jealous God. So, the nation of Israel, the nation of the, the nation of the Jewish people of Israel, they came out of Syria, but as Jacob and Laban had this terrible conflict that resulted in their separation, so, so that, that was important. And so the conflict goes today between Israel and Syria. It's the fiercest. The Israeli soldiers that returned from being captured by Syria in the wars, like the Six-Day War, they came back insane from torture or as body parts. They were the worst, the Syrians. You think this is something new, what Assad is doing? This is not new. So God wanted Israel to never forget, to never forget that the Syria that they came from was a Syria that they're separated from, but that they should never forget Syria. And so therefore, Moses taught the Jewish people a saying in Deuteronomy 26.5, Deuteronomy 26.5, a saying that the Jewish people should speak when they come before God. They should identify themselves to God with this saying in Deuteronomy 26.5, where Moses said to them, but thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, this is their, their introduction to God, a Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there with a few, and became a nation great, mighty, and populous. Now, the same is true for us. We came out of the world, that's our Syria, but just as Jacob made a total break with Laban, never to return again, so the Lord wants us to make a total break with the world that we came out of, and therefore we have 2 Corinthians 6, 17, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, wherefore, Come out from among them and be separated, be separated, be sealed off, be isolated from, be never to return again. Be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. But there's something else that's very significant at this last meeting between Laban and Jacob, not to be overlooked. And the way you see this is you take certain verses, like puzzle pieces, and you put them together, and when you do, then you go, ah, I can see. So that's what we're going to do. So the first verse is in Genesis 31, 36. Genesis 31, 36. This is the first piece of the puzzle where it says, and Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban. Jacob answered and said to Laban, what's my trespass? What's my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? How would you describe Jacob from verse 36? Give me some words. He's very angry. He's very angry. He's bitter. 
He is blazing angry. Remember? The word is hot. It, it, it was blazing. He's, he's boiling. He's at the boiling point. He, he's boiling over. And he tells Laban why, with very solid points, indisputable, at least from Jacob's point of view, that why he's so angry with him in the next six verses. The next six verses after verse 36, Jacob is, in essence, is there any evidence here that Jacob is forgiving Laban? When you read verses 30, the next six these verses here, not at all. He's blasting Laban. He's not forgiving Laban. He's blasting Laban. Okay, that's the first piece in the puzzle, is verse 36. Now, the second piece of the puzzle that you have to see are the last two verses that we just read in, verse, in, in chapter 31. Jacob offers the sacrifice, 54 and 55. Upon the mount, he calls his brethren to eat bread. They eat bread. They tarry all night. Early in the morning, Laban kisses everybody, and then they go home and blesses them, and he goes home departs. So in verses 54 and 55, is Jacob still angry with Laban and bitter at him? No, you know, it's not blasting him here. He's eating with them. He's, you know, they're, they're kissing and everything, you know. He's offering sacrifice. And, and there's no longer this bitterness at Laban. Jacob is no longer bitter at Laban. Jacob is no longer angry with Laban. Jacob has fully forgiven Laban. See, in the last meeting here with Laban, we see a Jacob, he's fully forgiven Laban. He's no longer bitter. He's no longer blasting. He's no longer angry. He agreed Jacob agreed to forget the wrongs that Laban did to him. Now, he put the last piece of the puzzle together, which is Genesis 32.1. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. The angels of God met Jacob. So when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, it looks like this. Genesis 31.36, Jacob is wroth and chode with Laban, so forth. Genesis 31, 54 through 55, then Jacob offers sacrifice, calls his brethren to eat bread. They eat bread, tarry all night. Early in the morning, Laban raises up, raises up kisses, blesses, leaves. Genesis 32, 1, Jacob goes on his way, and the angels of God meet him. Now, this is a very meaningful picture, because Jacob, who was angry and bitter at Laban, and had every right to be, Jacob, who fully forgave Laban and agreed to never remember the wrong that Laban did to him. And by the way, for the rest of this book, Jacob never mentions any wrong that was done to him by Laban. It's forgotten. And then when we come to chapter 32, now Jacob is meeting the angels of God. It's very important to see these angels of God that meet him come after he forgives Laban. Jacob would not go on with God unless he forgave Laban. Jacob's whole spiritual future depended on Jacob fully forgiving Laban and forgetting all that Laban had done to him. It's very interesting to see this last meeting, though, between Laban and Jacob, really to understand what Jacob did when he forgave Laban. Something very interesting to see and to show us. And we can see this in verse 51, Genesis 31, verse 51. Genesis 31, 51 reads, And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee. Now notice, Laban has just said to Jacob, 
Behold this heap, behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee. Is that right? Is that right? Is that really correct? Is that correct, what Laban said in verse 51? Is what Laban said, does that square with reality? Is what Laban said, does that square with the account of what happened in verse 45 and 46? What does it say? Jacob took the stone and set up the pillar. Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. They took stones and made a heap. See? Laban has said, behold this heap and this pillar, which I have cast betwixt me and thee. Did Laban set up that stone for a pillar? He says he did in verse 51. Did Laban pile those stones into a heap? He says he did in verse 51 is another one of Laban's lies. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine Jacob standing there who's out of breath from dragging the big pillar and setting it up, from helping his sons gather all the stones? Can you imagine his sons out of breath from gathering all the stones? And there stands Laban. He's not out of breath. He hasn't done anything. (laughs) He hasn't lifted his little finger to set up that pillar or that heap of stones. And with Jacob out of breath, Laban announces to Jacob in verse 51, I just set up that pillar and and a pile of stones there. I mean, can't you just see Jacob stopping and just staring at Laban and saying to himself, Laban really believes that he just set up this pillar and piled these stones into this heap. This is Laban's reality, okay? You leave reality, you go into Wonderland when you're with Laban. And Laban, can't you imagine this? Jacob, is he's just astonished. Once again, here we go again. Here's Laban's total disrespect for Jacob. Laban is claiming as his own everything that Jacob has done. Here's the old Laban. He's back. He saw what Jacob did. He claimed it as his own. And can't you just imagine Jacob, and he's saying to himself, that's why I left Laban. This is why I left. Because for 20 years, Laban has claimed that everything that I have done, he's claimed it is his own work. Everything that I have, he claims is his own property. I mean, can't you just see Jacob standing there astounded and thinking to himself from what Laban said? In verse 43, Genesis 31, 43, Genesis 31, 43, Laban answered and said unto Jacob, these daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. These cattle are my cattle. All that thou seest is mine. And can't you just see Jacob saying to himself, Laban is saying these daughters are his daughters. Is that right? Are Rachel and Leah really his? Didn't I pay for Rachel and Leah with 14 years of my hard labor? But Laban sees Leah and Rachel is his. Laban is saying, these children are my children. Is that right? Are my children really his children? Aren't these children my children I had with my wives? Haven't I raised them? Haven't I fed them? But he sees them as his children. (music) 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.